0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Good Girl Great podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is a great length. This is where we sit down with one or two particular people and we really deconstruct what are some amazing journeys that they've been through, some lessons that we can probably learn from them key steps that they've really taken to achieve a certain milestone or maybe certain epic fails that they'd like to share with us all so that you can really figure out ways to grow personally, professionally, at work, in life, in business, wherever that might be, and so that you can live an enriched life. And so for that reason, today, I want to share with you Samantha Evans, otherwise known as Sam. And Sam, of course, is from the wonderful Tristan side in the UK, which is fascinating, beautiful, as you may have heard if you haven't visited. But if you have visited, this is really a fascinating story because we dive into how she got started in this sector from corporate world, doing things that she was good at. It was fine. It was just okay, right to her. But then she really took that leap to jump into something that was unfamiliar. She had absolutely no background in And she didn't know much, or at least at that point, not as much as other people. And so it got all the way to the point that she grew her business, Humphreys of Henley, to really become a a really reliable partner of some of the best hotels in the UK, including Four Seasons, Corinthia, Mandarin Oriental, Heckfield Place. Cliveden, Calcott Collection, all of these beautiful, beautiful places. And now seven plus years later, she is here to grace us with her stories of what happened when she started reaching out to these brand names and how you can perhaps do the same thing with what you're trying to do, right? And what exactly happens and uh, in her space when she was really trying to get out there and really welcome opportunities and some epic fails that we can learn from, and some stories from Hyde Park, Lady Canavern, and many other stories that you would just be so interested to hear for sure. If you're interested in anything remotely close to living a purposeful life that is filled with good work, and that could be in this particular um, hospitality sector. So if this is you, come join us join 60 plus other countries who are listening and hit that follow, subscribe, collect and save and download button so that this episode is ready for you. Without further ado, let's dive in.
1: All right, Sam. I am so excited that you're here. I cannot wait to hear more about the beautiful you know, English countryside, all your work in hospitality, all your work for people who are visiting the UK, and uh, and all of these great things that you're doing in a meaningful way. But before we talk about any of that, I actually want to kind of jump back for a minute and go to really your origin story because I'm always curious to see and hear how people get started in what they're passionate about and. For me, you know, when, people, when, they're kid, when people are kids and they're just growing up and everything, they don't always think of, hey, I'm going to have a hospitality business in the countryside. Well, perhaps that is, though, with the, in your case, right? Where did that love came from? Like, where, where did that originate? Is it something that you've always been passionate about, or did you kind of pivot into that from a, very, a drastically different path? Walk us through that a little bit, Sam.
2: Um, it's it's great to be here and uh, and and thanks so much. Um, yeah, the the English countryside runs through my veins. I, I was born and brought up in the Cotswolds. I now live in the Chilterns. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I've I've been living in two of the most beautiful parts of the world, which is is just wonderful. Uh, But I didn't start off there. I I went into corporate land um, and stayed there for um, over 20 years, doing jobs that I absolutely loved. I was a consultant. I travelled the world. um, I worked with some amazing people, both clients and colleagues, and learnt a huge amount about what i 'm now applying into my own business, um, so i couldn 't be doing what i 'm doing now without all of that corporate corporate background. but you know things happen in our lives don 't they and um, both personally and professionally, I um, hit a bit of a wall and it was time to exit uh, uh, from from that corporate situation and and i 'd had this the seed of an idea. Um, I, I, we li- I live in Henny on Thames, which is a beautiful little market town. Um, we're right on the river. We're host to the world famous Henny Royal Regatta, which is glorious. But the other 51 weeks of the year, it's a glorious little market town. But it's a real destination. And I couldn't understand why um, people would, would sort of arrive, go around the middle, take a few photos, maybe have a nice lunch and then leave because they weren't um, able to really get into the heart of, of what our life is like in the countryside. I love London. It's, it's an amazingly diverse cosmopolitan city, but um, it's, it's a very different Britain to to what we live out here. And I'm only we're only 30 miles west of London. But um, so this this started and I started talking to hotels and they said, yeah, we we put people in a chauffeur driven car with a blue badge guide and they go to Windsor, Stonehenge and Oxford. And they come back to London at the end of the day and they say, we've done the countryside, which just sent me <laughs> into, into absolute fits because they clearly yeah. really hadn't. But there was nobody to say, well, OK, how about a day on a private estate doing some falconry, then maybe some clay shooting, have an afternoon tea with the Lord of the Manor where his family has lived for the last eight hundred and fifty years. And he will talk to you about that history and take you through those those stories. and how about um you know jumping on an e bike and just going through the cotswolds or you know going f oh, the real favorite is is going foraging um and then either going gin making or cocktail making or creating a beautiful lunch out of uh, out of what you found so it's about getting to the heart of what the English countryside is is really about as opposed to maybe just some of the some of the myths and stories um, so I had this idea and I started talking to some local people and um, it was quite clear there was a real portfolio to start building and and now I'm the luckiest person in the world because I sell what I love which is the English countryside and they're really is no better feeling, um, particularly for overseas visitors, I think, to see their eyes just pop with amazement when they turn up at at, at a private estate or they turn up at High Clear or Blenheim or whatever it may be. It, it, that's why we do it. It's, it's glorious.
1: Why was it, and I, I love this story because you kind of, you obviously identified something that Goodness, why is no one doing that, right? And that's exactly my next question is, well, why? I mean, this is obviously some years ago, but how come nobody had done it? Was it difficult to do? I mean, aside from the tour bus that allowed people to hop from one location to the other, was it just something that uh, people never thought of? Was it just kind of there's a, a huge barrier of entry as far as getting something like that started? why was it
2: um a, a really good question i um and i just i i don't know because to me um there are lots of people doing this in london and edinburgh and and so on so um it seems a logical route when we are asked by so many visitors well i want to do four days in london four days in the countryside so and, and 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 can you work it out for me and um i don't know i think they just used to do a simple trip to blenheim and maybe a simple trip to another castle somewhere um and 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 they it was I think the countryside is seen as a bit of a a, a second rate cousin by those posh city folk. Right,
1: right, right.
2: <laughs> I lived in London for for years, so I you know I love it. But um, the countryside is misunderstood and. Um, Uh, there's a a fabulous group of hotels which I won't name but um, they are popping up across the countryside and they're they're five star they're absolutely stunning but we describe them as the countryside for city folk because it's the it's the countryside (laughs) done beauty you know the, the really pretty side of it without any of the reality of it if you like and I'm not saying that um, our visitors walk through slurry or anything like that but but they do get the authenticity of it and and i don't see the countryside as as the, the as second best i see it as the best whereas the london and city-based companies obviously say it as a bit oh it's a bit of an add-on whereas to us it's the core of it um, and so i i, I mean I, i'm in the lucky position that um, other people aren't doing it I'm sure they will they will jump jump on it um, but uh, at the moment we are just creating itineraries full of all of the best bits which is is wonderful
1: yeah and I think you're you're absolutely right in that when people are thinking about delivering a certain type of experience right there's almost like a um, yes, of course, you you can't include everything, right? But at the same time, you do want to kind of stay true to the elements that make it so beautiful. And I think, to your point, you know, your calling is, okay, well, we want the to show them some of the real aspects too. like, we don't want to just make it all pretty. And, you know, and, and not to say that that other group is doing just that, of course, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. But I think in doing so, you almost understand and you almost create your own market where, you know, this is really for people who are looking for that type of experience, not one that is embellished, fast, and just really kind of surface level. So I think that's phenomenal that you were able to identify that in the very beginning. Now, when you, cause I'm kind of curious, usually when people <laughs> had this prolific career, Uh, doing all of these things in an office, cubicle, whatever, and then they kind of shift to something else uh, that is drastically different, right? Did you feel that, and I don't know at what stage of life you were doing this, but was there a form of resistance, not just from people around you, and um, or maybe from yourself that you're kind of going, well, is it even worth me going into that direction, right? Because I think a lot of the audience who's listening are consistently maybe challenged by that, you know, whenever they have to make a decision because you can stay in the comfort zone, but you can also then divert into something that is purely magical, undiscovered, and uncharted. So did that ever happen to you where there was like, okay, a little bit of a doubt, and then if so, how did you overcome
2: that? Um, Oh, uh, absolutely spot on. I, I, I think if I'd had a pound for every time people said, you used to earn good money. Go and get a proper job. Yeah. Um, again, uh, I'd, I'd I'd be quite rich. Yes, there was a huge amount of that, and um, just it was confusion as to you know you you had all of that. What? Why have you walked away from it? Um, and and don't you want to get that security back because? The early stages, as anybody who's ever done it knows, the early stages of setting up a business are the hardest thing on the planet. I mean, way, way harder than I expected. And, you know, I've always put in the hours. You know, I I'm, I will not shirk from hard work. That's great. But I'd never known anything like this. So they see me absolutely exhausted, earning no money and um, just sort of floundering because it was all completely new. And they're saying, why <laughs> are you mad? <laughs> um but there was something in there that i knew once i had this sort of uh, outline of an idea that i knew i had something that was different and there was also a market for it so i think i i did just have to shut my ears to a lot of it um and try and find the people to surround myself with when I was talking about the work side to, um, uh, you know, surround yourself with the right people, surround yourself with the people who um, are going to either give you moral support or professional support, or yes, I went out looking for investors. So, you know, f- financial support. Um, and, and I, I just, I did, I think, dig deeper than I, I ever had before. Um, and I did discover something, you know, I, like many of us, I've got a fabulous circle of friends who I, I love dearly, but pretty much all of them are employed in, in some form or another. And I, And I was the same when I was employed. I had no idea that running your own business was different to being employed. Um, you just think, oh, well, you're, you're working every day, so it's it's, it's the same. Um, well, it's clearly not. And so I I eventually learned just not to try and get them to understand um, and actually find people who were doing what I was doing and, and, and could understand. And that made a huge difference. I joined um, something called the Entrepreneur's Circle, which is an organization over here for small business owners to really – learn about um marketing and and running a business and so on and um I call it Alcoholics Anonymous but for business owners because it gives all yeah. of that stuff not that I've ever had to use Alcoholics Anonymous thank the lord but um, it's it's the advice it's the support it's the hugs when you need them it's the celebrations when you need them it's so you're surrounded I mean I don't know Two and a half thousand members, three thousand members, I think. But we're all going through all of these these elements. So I had to learn to go outside of um, of my, I guess, my usual circle um, because all of a sudden I was, you know, the the sales director, the marketing director, the PR, the the finance director, the HR. You know, the, you're, you're suddenly yeah. doing a whole lot. Um, and yeah, I the easy option would have been to walk away. I'm so glad I didn't. So glad.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you touched on something that is so crucial in that it isn't really quite the same. I mean, there's really nothing like it. I mean, I know people compared it to having kids, giving birth. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's way, right? Because I think a lot of times you you just never know what's going to happen the next day and you always constantly have to recalibrate. And you are in a lot of ways, like you to your point, you're everything. You're wearing 10 different hats. You are, like you said, you're the CEO, you're the PR, you're the marketing, you're also the admin, you're doing all of those things, particularly in the early stages. And for those of people who are listening, who are perhaps starting something new like that. And are kind of again pulling, uh, feeling like they're pulled in multiple directions. Did you have? Because everybody has their own process, right? Like everyone has their the way that they work, their system. Did you happen to have like a, a kind of a, a key framework to make sure that you're not focusing on all the wrong things? Perhaps you're just like, okay, am I time? You know, am, am I timing myself in this particular task? Like, what were some of the things that? In your point of view, now looking back, had really made a big difference in making sure that you're staying the course, right? What were some of those things for you, Sam? Um,
2: one of the one of the routes that I went, I I read a lot, and um, I found, I mean, there are certain books I I've lost count of how many times, for example, I've read. I mean the one thing Gary Keller, I mean Simon Sinek I can read and listen to for um forever. Ages. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 amazing. Um and so I I learned a huge amount about um uh really focusing in and, and prioritizing and when you've got no one, no one measuring you, um, there's there's no accountability. So how to create my own accountability? Fortunately, having worked in in, in corporate land, um, I had been analysed down to my little toe. I mean, I I really had a very good awareness of the things I'm good at, and as a good consultant would say, the areas for development, i.e., the things that I should just really never, never no. go near. Um, and so I very quickly realized the importance of outsourcing stuff like, you know, the fight, the bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff. No, thank you very much. I would, it was, it was just going to be too painful and bookkeepers are brilliant at it and they're there to do it. So, so pay somebody who knows what they're doing. So I, I learned outsourcing quite, quite quickly. Um, and, just constantly um, challenging myself out of my own comfort zone, while keep going back to that core and and the, the core objective to be um, the recognised um, expert go to person about the British countryside um and to really be able to share that level of of expertise and knowledge because it's it's a bit like um I, I, and I think you know I've come across quite a lot of business owners like this who um are expert in their field whether it's it's IT or finance or whatever it may be and you almost forget more than you knew in the first place you know and and we have to recognise how much knowledge we have because we've got to share it and and paint those pictures for the visitors of just why they would fall in love with Blenheim Palace or why they, you know, they want to fly in a tiger moth, whatever it may be. And it's not what we do. It's, oh God, I'm sounding like Simon again. I, you know, it's, it is painting that picture. Um, and, and, and I – so I have certain times where I, I pull out of the business um, and and just so that I can look in. I didn't quite expect to have 15 months of pulling myself out of the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, funnily enough, the business is in quite a good shape at the moment in any way, everywhere except um, financially, but we were there. Um but, uh, yeah, it's a really – find the right people to to help me to do that and constantly just constantly refreshing it is like rebooting your laptop you know every day of of what can i do and and slightly change to make this make this better and i've also tried to employ people who really really challenge me um uh, i 'm quite happy to acknowledge that there are chunks of the business that i shouldn 't be involved in because th- there are people much better at it than I am, and those are the types of people I employ um, and i don 't always golly certainly don 't always get it right, but um, I love it when they actually say "No stop, I think you 're wrong. I think we should do it in in uh, this way, and then you talk around it and you come come out with a solution that that um, has been great for me
1: yeah this is so I think this is all really great. I am curious because especially up to the point that you made on having your ideas challenged right? were there moments when in the kind of creation and the development of your your business and um, you know your obviously your hospitality journey were there moments when at the moment you were so sure that this is the path to go down? on, right? Like, and just, okay, I'm going to do this. And yet now looking back, perhaps you go, well, you know, that might not have been the right move, right? Or we should have done this, I should have listened to that, because I feel like everyone at various stages have all all gone through this at whatever degree, small or large. There's always a moment when we were so sure that this is it. And yet, you know, as things unravel you discovered oh wait maybe not maybe I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't right there like was there ever a moment when that was the case for you Sam um
2: there was there was a huge moment to be honest with you I was introduced to somebody um who had amazing connections within um our royal family and I access to the palaces and so on and um I invested a huge amount of time and some money and so on developing a partnership with him. And I think I was a bit, um, I was just so excited by the possibilities of what we could do that I didn't do my due diligence. Um, and um, I was well and truly um I'm trying to think of a polite way of putting it I mean he did everything to destroy me ultimately he he pretty well um, he tried to, to get everything from the business and then um, uh, and then do what he did and and that was probably the lowest the lowest point I, I couldn't believe that somebody would would do that um, and
1: were they really and I mean were they actually connected to the royal family or is it like a fabrication and yet they I just
2: it was a genuine I mean what, what he could deliver was absolutely genuine. Um uh he just wanted all of my connections and and then what he spread about me and Humphreys, the business um was was just just awful. So um
0: mm-hmm.
2: I d I do trust people and and it's it's been to my um been to my detriment um sometimes but actually I'd prefer to start off from a point of view of seeing the best and then and then be be um find out the other way rather than starting from a negative and I trusted him too much and I was naive in the way I I dealt with him but um good always comes out of bad you 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 learn from it and I am now a lot more cautious about how I work with people and what I share um and, as a result, I now have some incredibly strong partnerships that are mutually advantageous and mutually fun and and all of those good things um but it was yeah it, it 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 was tough and I think um the other big lesson that came out of that time um i'm i'm not necessarily very good at asking for help um and and I learnt the the wonders of of asking for help and 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 then getting it. Um, so I think if there's if there's something I would do differently um, with with setting up the business is identifying key sources of help right from the start. Um, and whether it's like this membership entrepreneur circle thing that that I pay for but has been beyond valuable to me um, through to just people I've met along the way. Get those those sources in in place early because it's a lonely old place um, setting up your business. Uh, we, we anybody, you know, we all know that. Um, and and they've made such a difference, you know, as I've gone through.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean I think this is fantastic because I know that particularly when it comes to partnership collaboration and it's really funny almost like everyone that I've met who had dealt with any form of partnership collaboration had experience well for the for the most part it's been positive but there's always one bad grape here and there and experiences that really taught us a lot I personally when I was just starting out there were definitely I want to say one or two moments when I truly regret ever collaborating with these people because it just is similar to you. Uh, it was very clear now looking back that the goal was different and they weren't in alignment. And I thought that they, it was, and so it's really, it's really crucial, I think, to have. And going back to your first point, having the right people around you. And I think we have to kind of have that self-awareness not to be blinded by using the analogy of your story, um, you know, something that's exciting, something that's really kind of almost sexy and cool, right? Like all of these things that tend to capture our imagination and then really blinding all of the elements that's necessary to sustain a healthy, not just business, but impact, right, that we want to create because without it, you can't go further, so I love that point that you made, Sam, and I kind of now, you know, you're just kind of transitioning from minute because you touched on now being able to create very solid partnerships and just you know fantastic partners in your in your circle. And I know that you've mentioned that you partner um, in the UK with Four Seasons, uh, Corinthia, Mandarin Oriental, right? All of these fantastic, just beautiful. Names, and I'm sure the audience are curious knowing your story now, knowing that original kind of path that you set yourself uh, up to. What, how did you kind of what was the first move that you made that really set you up for working with these brand partners? Was it just a plain, I'm going to reach out to this person, was it connected by someone else that you had known? What was that first step that you take?
2: I I just picked up the telephone, to be honest with you, to somebody I had never met before, didn't have a clue who I was. Um, and uh, uh, I, I will name her. She's the fantastic Alex Bew. And she was um, sales director of Clifton House at the time. And she um, so she agreed to a meeting. And I think within five minutes, we had just absolutely clicked and she just got what I was doing and where I was coming from and critically how it would be good for the guests of Clifton House so you know you stay at Clifton it's magnificent the service is incredible um, you, you the food is stunning that you're in the most well, absolutely beautiful beautiful place but the element that the, where the hotel's Um, almost lose that control is when the guest wants to go out and go exploring and go to Windsor for the day or go to wherever and all of a sudden they can't manage the guest experience anymore well that's where we come in because they just hand them over and we maintain that fabulous experience that the guest has had in the hotel and we just manage it outside of the hotel so Alex um alex was was key actually because she um she really gave me the confidence um to to say yes i i, I i'm pretty sure what i've got here is absolutely right but to hear somebody who's hugely experienced in the industry had worked in all sorts of wonderful hotels she's now at one Old witch which is fantastic so obviously still working with her there um and um she gave me the confidence to believe. So um, I just carried on picking up the telephone.
1: And, yeah. Was um, that like your first uh, outreach or was that was she like the 10th? The first one.
2: She was the first one.
1: Wow. And I, and you have to kind of expand a little bit about, you know, just that moment, that critical moment when you pick up the phone. And I know not a lot of people do this as well, but this still applies to, you know, emailing someone, sending someone a message, in whatever platform, but what was, what were, if you recall, I know this is now dating back a few years, but if you recall, you can share with the audience, like what were some of the things that you said, the questions you asked, was it just kind of a matter of, Hey, I need to speak to a sales director. Like what, what exactly did you say?
2: Um, I I, I knew the sales director was probably the right role to go for. um, And, my one massive advantage that that I had setting out with this new business is that um, i 've been doing um, some form of selling pretty much my whole professional life and um, and my role as a consultant, I was helping um, organizations to sell more through performance management training consultancy all that kind of stuff so I love selling, and 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 that was huge. So I planned really carefully some my the questions I was going to ask, because my other big. Um, fear if you like was I haven't I hadn't come from the travel industry I hadn't come from the hospitality or the hotel I mean I just hadn't come from the industry at all so here was me coming in saying I can tell you how to do it differently and how to do it better it's a little bit arrogant to put it mildly yeah yeah. so I, I I didn't want to go in like that so I I went in with the trying to get the asking the questions to get her to the point of saying yeah when we send people outside of the hotel, we don't really quite know what they're doing. We've got some good drivers. We've got some great chauffeurs. We know all the best restaurants and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's a bit out of our control. So I just kept asking the questions to get that answer. Um, and once I got that answer, then, um, then I could go, ah. Oh, Here's one I prepared earlier. And, 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 this is what we do. So um, I, I used, I had a meeting with a new hotel uh, last week and I used exactly the same technique, maybe slightly more informed questions nowadays, yeah. um, but the same technique and, and it, 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 because it works because it is finding their point of pain Um. Sometimes they don't even realise they've got that point of pain. So it's gentle just asking what would make the whole thing perfect. And for the, well, every hotel I've spoken to so far, it's missing. Because they haven't got the resource, they haven't got the time. It is very, very time intensive what we do. Um, So now... um, when I, you know, I, I, I go to a hotel and, and we, we plan um, experiences and we, we try and really link some of the signature experiences to the story of the hotel. So with the Mandarin, you mentioned, their high park rooms, the, the parkside rooms, which are obviously stunning, um, uh, they look over Hyde Park. Hyde Park used to be the hunting ground for Henry VIII. Um, and so we've created these these country experience days, um, replicated to some extent what Henry VIII would have done. Obviously, they can't do it in Hyde Park because they'd be arrested nowadays. Yeah. So we take them out to the country and they do it on a private estate and it's all lovely. Um, so it's trying to 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 match that i'm going to i'm going to le manoir tomorrow which is just the most gorgeous hotel near oxford um raymond blanc so stunning food and and we're creating some some sort of food orientated experiences for 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 their guests and um yeah i mean the four seasons probably the most iconic luxury hotel brand in the world and to we co-hosted a webinar in um in March for their their group's audience, for these people who knew that they they weren't going to be able to travel realistically this year, so we did a big what it is to be British and the best of British and 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 all this kind of thing, and one of our partners um, is a wonderful chap called Lord Morris Fomoy. He was first cousin to Princess Diana um so very well connected but and a real character he's absolutely stunning um and so he and i did a bit of a double act about you know all of the things that you can do in the british countryside and people people were blown away and and they are british they live here and they didn't know what what was (laughs) so um so it's yeah it's it's a it's a powerful story i think because we do go together like you know us Humphrey's and our hotel partners you know it's like salt and pepper it's like you know all of those things that just fit together because we both want the same which is the most incredible guest experience and and the hotels do it internally and we do it out in that this beautiful countryside
1: yeah and i love oh my goodness i love everything that you shared and and just this ability to have um to really imagine an extension of what they do, right? These hotels, they do certain things beautifully, but they're unable to, to your point, they're unable to extend it further out, in your case, to the countryside, for instance. But I want to underline for the audience who's listening, for people who are listening, that you know, it's almost like you are looking for ways to be complementary to them, right? You're not trying to replace anything. You're not trying to compete. You're not trying to do any of that. What's beautiful is you find areas where you're aligned with them and say, hey, let's do this together. You can do this. Um, how about I support you in, in doing this? And so it just it, it's not even almost selling. It's really just kind of finding ways to help one another, which I think is fantastic. So I think there's that element where um, a lot of times what we think are weaknesses, they're actually strengths right? And in your case, definitely with Humphreys. So,
2: uh, absolutely. And, and I, you know, people aren't stupid, are they? And and if we try and be something that we're not, they will see through us. You know, I, I have no interest, for example, in the celebrity culture. Um, I don't recognize anybody. But <laughs> to me, celebrities are you know, we're in a rowing town here, you know, it's, it's our Olympic rowing champions, or it's, it's, um, you know, the, the, um, our polo coach, it's, you know, those, those people are are the ones. So, you know, when people come to us and ask for, you know, can I go and meet so-and-so, I go, yes, you can, but you're, you're talking to, to the the wrong people, because um, I think it's, it's the, the authenticity is key. And Um, one of our favorite, favorite couples, um, they live in, um, they live in North Carolina and, um, they came over in, um, September, 2019 and we put together a 14 day itinerary for them and they, they did it all. I mean, they really, it was their golden wedding anniversary and, and they really, really went for it, um, and uh, so we'd obviously been talking for a good three, four months putting together this itinerary and I went to meet them. They they were staying at Clifton actually. And uh, and I walked in being terribly British and sort of stuck my hand out to shake their hand. And of course, Linda just throws her arms right around really? me and Davis throws his arms. And I just thought, this is incredible. And they said, it's because of you. We're so excited about our trip. Um, and i mean it doesn't get any better than that does it you know that that's what that's what life should be about and and as british people i think we are naturally quite stuffy and and conservative (laughs) with a small c um and i love that i'm being brought out of of that um by by our guests
1: yeah yeah, I love that you use that, that, uh, that story as well, because it is true. In America, there's a lot of hugging Well, I mean, not so much now with well, what's yeah. happening, but definitely the hugging culture is, for, you know, is definitely a thing. Um, and I do, I, I mean, I have some friends from the UK who's like, well, we don't really do that. You know, occasionally we do the, the cheek kind of thing, but that's really the extent of <laughs> it. So, and it's really funny because, Sometimes even hearing the way people, you know, criticize, you know, deliver criticism or express discontent in some ways, U.S. versus U.K., you know, very. I mean, the U.S. they would just be completely. They just you know blow the lid off and they just don't care. They say certain things, and the U.K. seem a lot more um, structured. <laughs> yeah,
2: we just sort of say oh, we're mildly irritated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just, to touch, just mildly irritating. Um, so, if, I mean, because I think that's one thing that we need to kind of acknowledge, especially in this world where everything, like the world almost collapses into one uh, big world where everybody's interacting with one another. I know with our audience, you know, we had our listeners and students, they come from whatever, 60 plus countries or so. And I do notice that there are differences in, you know, the way that they say things, and particularly when you're doing business, right, in your case, you have a lot of U.S. audience or, um, you know, U.S., uh, I guess, uh, patrons, if you will, that um, maybe in the beginning, right, maybe perhaps there was some misunderstanding. Were there a couple of adjustments that you made to kind of, okay, they want things um, a lot more direct, fast, perhaps they want us to do everything or maybe not let us do it, right? What are some things that you notice that's quite different? between the two cultures there.
2: Yeah, I think um, uh, we use, we tend to use a lot more flowery language. um, And uh, I think that can be um, quite, quite, uh, well, I've been told, it could be quite irritating (laughs) for an American audience. So we try, I've tried to sort of tone that down a bit. Um, And... uh, I think on the whole um I mean the, the language issues there's you know the the great expression two nations separated by a common language we we really are and we had a situation literally last week where um I had an email from um from a client and she had just written um xyz hotel is booked um so I read that because in English that would be um well uh it's all it's all done, it's confirmed, it it's booked. In her lang, in in the American version, it's it's sold out. And so I thought it was a real positive. In actual fact, this email was a real negative. And because it was really late one one evening, I didn't actually stop and re, re-read it and think <laughs> about it from an American perspective and so we almost hit fortunately i know her very well but but, but we did hit cross purposes at at, at one point and yeah. um and she was just so frustrated she you know it was she didn't quite say how can you be so stupid but it it wasn't far off and i was saying but in english and and then of course you know anyway so yeah the the language issue uh we we we're, we're careful with um but um i think on the whole, because of, of the attention that we we take with every single step, I mean, the, the sales process and the the service process is is mapped so so clearly because um, our clients are paying a lot of money um, to us to create these amazing trips. So absolutely everything has to be you know on on the button and. Um, uh, so, making sure we don't leave any anything to chance um, is is really important. And I'll be honest, naturally, that's not a natural thing for me at all. To to process map things is is not uh, is not for me. But I I learnt about it and saw the sense in it, um, and um, and I believe it's made a real a real difference because then nothing goes out that is is not it, everything that goes out is is up to standard and and that's key.
1: I love this. This is fantastic. Well, especially the process map that you had created. Did you create a similar, you know, map for something of that nature because obviously the majority of your customers are in the US, which is fantastic and quite rare actually, right? for um, certain businesses that come from across the pond to really specialize in a market that where they're not. I mean, obviously, you visit your travel agents and all these other things. But what was kind of how did you, aside from visiting your travel agents and, and that, were there like specific uh, w- strategies that you had undertaken to, okay, we're going to dominate the you know the U.S. market or some you know slice of it, so that they when they're thinking U.K. British um, countryside they're thinking us. Was there a similar process there?
2: Um, yeah, uh, yes, and 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 no. Um, I um, I've I've got a I have got a very clear process for um, for the travel agents. Um, but I have to say, th- they they do all vary rather <laughs> a lot, so it's not quite so easy, um, uh, quite easy, to, so easy to follow. And I'm I'm very aware that I'm still learning about your travel industry, which works so dramatically differently to to ours. Um, and um, so the the understanding the established relationships and. Um, and the decision making process. I mean, we, we, we do pretty well, but I'm very aware that there's a, there's a, a, quite a way to go. Um, but I I will, I, you know, I'll stick with it because I know our American clients love what we do. So I feel I would be letting them down in a way if I don't spread the word, obviously I'm, you know, it's good for me too, but, um, it's uh, I know I've got something that the american market the luxury American traveler wants, so i want to I want to make sure I do it properly so i've the the process side um is something I really started working on within the business probably eighteen months two years ago so we've we've still got a bit of a route to go um but we're 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 getting there which is which is great.
1: Yeah, I'm loving, you know, I, I do enjoy to hear that, because it, it is interesting, because even just the way people travel and do one of the same thing, you know, like, and and people coming from different continents, countries, it's quite different. I remember when I was, I went to Switzerland once, and I, we went hiking on some trail. And here in America, when you go hiking, you you bring a backpack full of water, right? Uh, Power bars, granola bars, some snacks. And I remember when we got there in Switzerland, like all of the locals were just literally, this would be like miles and miles of hike. And they would just be, it's just them, no water, maybe a walking stick and their dog, No one ever brings food, right? And we're kind of like, this is really odd. Like, how, right? It's so different the way people approach one particular experience. And of course, after we hiked some time, we were like, oh, okay, they have tea houses all along the way. That explains a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but even just the gear, like we would just be like with the, with the raincoat, with everything, our hiking boots, these guys were just very casually dressed and you just kind of go, okay, well maybe I'm overdressed. <laughs> you know. So, but I think you're onto something definitely for sure. When you um, serve the, you know, the, the U S market in a, in a different way. And, and then maybe those Londoners who are coming to the countryside, very, um, I love that, um, that takeaway there. Now, Sam, believe it or not, we are running out of time. So why don't you go ahead and share with everyone who's listening, who's watching, where they can find you. Learn more about the beautiful experience that you have waiting for them <laughs> once everything opens up. And then we'll wrap up the interview.
2: OK, uh, the best place to go is um, on the website there, um, Humphreysofhenley.co.uk uk. And there is um, a section called uh, the Countryside Guide. And that is going back to what I was talking about the content marketing earlier of sharing information. You will find um, videos of me climbing up Cheddar Gorge, walking around. I I interviewed Lady Carnarvon at Highclere Castle, um, the interior of Blenheim. You name it, there are videos of me exploring our beautiful countryside and and sharing sharing the information and all sorts of articles and so on, what to wear at Henley Royal Regatta, what to wear here, there, everywhere, because, you know, we like our traditions. Um, So lots of information in the Countryside Guide on Humphreysofhenney.co.uk.
1: Amazing. Those are all, I mean, you can definitely get lost in this site for sure. I mean, it's just so enjoyable. I've been on there, fantastic, and really just what a wonderful experience. So, Sam, thank you so much for being on. I truly enjoy your story, you shared your insights, your journey, and I'm sure everyone who is Watching and listening to this, um, feel the same way and more. So, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And
2: my pleasure. It's, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's, it's been fascinating thinking about. The years of so on exactly, and how I got here, and and just lovely talking to you. So thank you,
1: fantastic, Sam. Definitely, people who come on, they definitely say, you know, it's almost like a reflection where they're like, oh my goodness, ten years ago, that's what I did, or twenty years ago, that's what I did, uh, which is always fun. But thank you again, and I wanted to share with everyone who's listening. Definitely check out Sam and her fantastic work. And the British countryside, make sure that's on your bucket list, maybe even move it up your bucket list. And um, I do want to share with everyone, be sure that you hit that follow, add, subscribe, collect button for this episode um, and for the show. That way, next time we talk to someone else like Sam, who has similar stories or something, slightly different, you can be notified right away. So for all that, thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Sam.
2: Thanks so much. Bye.
1: Fantastic.